0: And we're back for the first GS Sports Hub after the uh, after the Super Bowl. I've got Adam McHenry on the show. How are you?
1: Hello, I'm doing pretty well. Pretty disappointed after <laughs> the Super Bowl, but you know we'll, we'll get in, into all of that. And yeah, we'll dissect it in great detail. <laughs> we'll get into that
0: very very soon. You had a big weekend at the Belfast Giants, I imagine. Two big wins there for the guys.
1: Yeah, two big wins. Jordan Smotherman came in and at very late notice. How awesome was that? Sunday absolutely mad. So He'd he been in the country
0: in... like three hours or something like that?
1: Yeah, he flew, he got in at <clears> 10 to 1. By the time he was through customs, it was <laughs> half 1. Uh, and then he was stepping on the ice at half 3 for warm-ups. So, that's, insane. that's dedication for That you. is
0: dedication, yeah, that is insane. And he got a goal as well, didn't he? he, got, he got and he some... got
1: a goal too, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, madcap mad weekend, but wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Well played, that man. <laughs> let's uh, let's get straight in with the NFL, then. It was the big showpiece game of the year, the game we've been looking so forward to, and I couldn't wait because I thought this is going to be our first Super Bowl for the podcast. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have be so much to talk about. And in the end, it was just a bit rubbish, really, wasn't it? Not rubbish, it, but...
1: It was so poor. Um, and... <laughs> Nobody expected that. I said to you before we ke- before we started recording, you know, it wasn't even just the fact that it was the Super Bowl that everyone thought it was gonna be a good game. It was the fact that it was the Rams and the Patriots. You instantly just thought that it was going to be a good game. Yeah. Um the fact that they fell so short of expectations was a massive shock. So you know, yeah. I think the Rams' first seven or seven or eight drives ended in yeah. Um, The Patriots weren't much better. They were at least showing a little bit on offense to start the game, but they were inevitably having to punt as well, or um, Gostowski missed a field goal. It it was just a really low-quality game, and I think, but both defenses have to take a lot of credit for what they did in the game because obviously they came out on top, and uh, I think the Patriots did very well in hurrying jared goff i think they got to him really quickly um and they did exactly what they wanted to do they forced him to think very quickly on his feet sean mcveigh we know is such a good play caller yeah he's creative in what he does Uh, but the rams entire offense relies on goff being given the freedom to survey the field and pick his pass and get his pass because technically he's one of the best passers in the game but the Patriots' offensive line, or sorry, their uh, their defensive line, sorry, um, just sort of took over. They just overwhelmed their uh, the guys in front of them, and they forced Golf to play quickly, and that just didn't suit him at all. Uh, and it, and it was really the key to winning this game, in my opinion. Golf just was never able to get settled. He was never able to get into a stride. I genuinely think if his offensive line had given him a little bit more coverage, even in those first couple of drives he would have settled a lot better. Yeah. And that sort of would have bled down into the rest of his game and it just never happened for them. But at the end of the day, Patriots just about deserved it. But yeah. <laughs> honestly, if, it, if there's <laughs> ever an advert for not giving a trophy to either team... <laughs> That Super Bowl was probably
0: it. Well, I mean it's funny you're talking about the defences there because for most of the season we've been talking about how the Rams defence is that you're gonna score points on them because their defence isn't great, but they're gonna come back and score more points than you. It was really interesting to see that when when the, the offense of the Rams couldn't step up, the D was there to get it done. They they did put up I mean, a couple of big hits in the first sort of quarter and stuff, they really held um the, the Patriots back. And and sort of you're talking about golf there as well. Brady didn't have the greatest game either. Took so, okay, him a while no, to get going. He,
1: no, he didn't. Um, and I think, I think it was just one of those games where neither quarterback could settle. And I've talked about golf already. Brady was getting a bit more protection. Yeah. But the, there, was just something not clicking about the Patriots. Like I've, <clears throat> I've been trying to read up about it afterwards because obviously, sitting back here in, in Northern Ireland, you can only analyze it so much, and you have to, you have to read all those. Uh, all those comment pieces, but no one can sort of put a definitive uh, notion on what uh, what didn't quite click for Brady. Yeah. I think one of the big things was they just couldn't get over the line on third downs. You know, every, every time they got a, a third down, sort of a promising position they went third and out. So that that was the big thing. They were doing quite well first and second downs, but just whenever it came to the crunch of getting over the line, it. Um, it just wasn't happening but then the quality of Brady comes through with one big pass and he sets up that's a, it. it to set up the touchdown I'm sure we'll go on to talk about that in a minute but just in, in terms of Brady in general this isn't the greatest game that he's ever going to play that he's ever going to play this isn't probably a game he'll be notably remembered for or yeah. anything like that but at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's led his team to another Super Bowl. Six Super Bowl rings is incredible from one quarterback. And you know what? At, at the end of the day, it was that little bit of quality that shone through. And I think <clears throat> overall, he was the better of the two quarterbacks, too. You know, that's that I think you can't deny. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's not one that he'll, he'll look back on and think to himself, yeah, that was one of my better performances because it really wasn't.
0: Do you think it's a little bit of an experience on um, Jared Goff's point? I suppose in a game of that magnitude, probably on Sean McVay's point as well, because in um, the in the in the interviews afterwards, Sean McVay really beat himself up about about his play calling in the game.
1: Uh, well, you would though, yeah, because it's it's so high octane, high pressure, high stakes. <clears throat> as soon as you lose you're you're immediately going into what did i do wrong when you win you forget about everything you're just in celebration mode of oh my word we've won um whenever you lose the aftermath starts immediately there's no sort of sit back and let this sink in it's straight into why did we lose how did we lose where did we lose and how do we fix that yeah so, I'm not surprised that McVeigh came out so strong and said oh, my, my play calling was so poor Because I think at points it, it was a bit per. I think um, at times they just didn't know how to unlock that Patriots defense that was there to be unlocked. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think it's necessarily just down to that. You know, I think, as I said, I don't think Goff got a huge amount of coverage from uh, from the guys in front he of him. He took some big which, hits. Exactly. There, there was one that he. He brushed off really well, but it was very early in the game. I think it was possibly even just the third snap or something like that. Um, and it was uh, Donta Hightower came through.
0: Yeah, that's crunch, right.
1: Crunched him into the into the turf. And to his credit, Goff bounced straight back up. But there's that warning hit, you know, warning hit that your guys aren't giving you enough coverage. And that just starts sowing the seeds of doubt. And that just continued as it went on. And as I said, I thought the Patriots got a absolutely spot on defensively I thought they hurried uh, they hurried golf as much as possible they forced him out of his comfort zone they forced him to move they forced him out of position they forced him to pick rushed passes and they didn't go to hand their coverage down the field was pretty good as well at, at the end of the day I just think that the Patriots defense had the, had the Rams offense completely under wraps and that's Bill Belichick working again he just knows exactly what to do in individual uh, situations yeah. which credit to the man for his tactical know-how his experience and everything that surrounds him
0: well the last episode of the podcast I remember one of the things you said was the Patriots are a very good team at being good at what they need to be good at in a specific game and they really showed that in this the offense wasn't there yeah. but neither was the Rams so defense stepped up and, and they, they really got the job done
1: it's one of those things where you know you're good both sides of the ball you, you just need to find out which one's going to show up more yeah. today against the side that's as good offensively as the rams i wouldn't be surprised if they took two weeks and just focused solely on let's get our defense right yeah now, obviously that's not true you know you, you've got <laughs> you obviously work on your offense but that defense was quite clearly drilled in exactly how they needed to to cut down the Rams offensive potential. And you know what I think that probably helped that they had the two weeks as opposed to the one week. You can go into so much more detail whenever you've got maybe uh, you've got two weeks to prepare for a game as opposed to one uh, and whenever that uh, whenever you're able to do that then I think they, they just were they just were able to make sure that they had every facet of the Rams offense down to a T, and particularly um, getting both around and through that uh, Rams defensive line. Because as soon as they got golf moving, they had that game one.
0: Yeah. So we were talking about um, how Brady didn't really have the best of games. Let's circle right back to the very first quarter, um, where he called a couple of timeouts. That, do you think that changed the game for them do you think, I think that it was
1: just, that, that at the time to me seemed to be just kind of a hold on like this this isn't quite working for us let's just yeah can this down you know they taken too long over a couple of snaps they needed the timeouts to stop themselves from taking the delay of game but i think that that was kind of an admission that OK, so something's not quite clicking here. Um, and it, it's brave to call a timeout in the, in the first quarter yeah. of the Super Bowl, let alone two, because in a game like that, whenever you're having to make the most of your timeouts, you know you, you don't want to use them in the first quarter. You want to save them for those last two minutes of the second quarter. Yeah, But, yeah, I think you got a point. You know, fair play. You call the timeouts. You just go back to the sideline. You just say, look, we're not quite clicking here you know give me some advice because even Brady with his what 15 well it's even more than that 20 odd years of NFL experience you still cross wires every so often you still need to go back to your OC and say what's going on like give me, give me some pointers and I don't think it necessarily fixed it because as you saw like the, the offense again was yeah. still, still quite poor but at the end of the day, I think you wonder if they'd just gone with the snaps and they'd not called those timeouts, if they'd have even managed to work themselves into the position field goals or the touchdowns, um, which we, we will talk about. But, <laughs> but you know, the, I think just calming it down. That's the experience of Brady, just calming it down, making sure everybody's on the same page, and then get back in the snap. Because in the first half, timeouts, they're, they're good to use, they're good to have in the yeah. last uh, last couple of minutes of the half but uh, they're not quite as essential as the uh, second half timeout
0: uh, so where should we go to from here then do you think we should start looking at what happened in the game what should, there's not much to talk about in the first quarter so there's not um, there absolutely is there's not. actually not a lot to talk about <laughs> throughout the whole game Um, obviously the, the the patriots kicked it off with the first field goal in the that was in the second quarter wasn't it uh
1: yeah second quarter I can't really remember now. But <laughs> Wait, we're kind of but, working off no uh, notes
0: here because there was nothing to talk about.
1: Uh, I'm I'm not going off completely no notes, but at the, at the same time, like it, the first three quarters were just so forgettable. Yeah, and that that's the most disappointing thing from a Super Bowl perspective. Like, take away the teams, take away the, take away the two teams that are in it, take away the halftime show, which we were which we are going to talk about, take away everything about the game. Um apart from the performances. The fact that there were no touchdowns for the first three quarters
0: yeah.
1: is bizarre. Like it's it's the first time in Super Bowl history that there's been no touchdowns in the first three quarters. And it was the lowest score exactly in Super Bowl we,
0: as well in history. Lowest
1: scoring Super Bowl in history. It was almost the lowest scoring first half in Super Bowl history <laughs> as well. Like, it, but that was, that was just how much defenses were on top. Yeah. Um, Give a lot of credit to the two DCs. Like they they had their systems and their strategy spot on and they called it perfectly. Um because we know what these two offenses are about. Like that it's not a case of the offences weren't good enough to unlock the defenses. I think the defences just won on the day. Um they could probably go back and play tomorrow and you could have a completely different outcome just because you know the the offenses would click and the defenses wouldn't, and you could end up running up two fifty point scores. So it, it it was just one of those days. And but the problem is, in terms of Super Bowls, you won't remember this one. Yeah. Well, had this just and, and,
0: been a regular season game, you it's going to be one that you'd throw in the bin. Really, you just completely forget about it, brush it to the side.
1: It's funny. I was thinking about it. I, I was thinking, you know, if this game happened at any other time in the season. We probably wouldn't discuss no, it on the podcast. No,
0: yeah.
1: So, um, but I thought Ed Mallion had a very good piece in the Independent. Um, where he basically talked about how the game didn't live up to expectations, which it didn't. Um, but then he ta- started talking about, you know, how will it be looked back in history? And whenever you think about looking back in Super Bowls. Last year, you had the Philly special, the fake and the pass to Nick Foles. The year before, Seattle should have run the ball and they didn't. How will this one be remembered? You know, five, ten years down the line, you will remember it. You'll remember it as Brady and Belichick's sixth Super Bowl ring. You'll remember it as that awful Super Bowl that nobody liked at the time. You'll remember it as um, the lowest scoring Super Bowl in (laughs) Super Bowl history. It won't be remembered for the right ways, but it will be remembered. So, at the end of the day, right now, we can sit here and say it was a terrible Super Bowl, which it was. But in, in, in the annals of history, it'll, it'll still go down as a as a memorable Super Bowl for the wrong reasons.
0: If you love the tactical side of the game, though, defensively, it was kind of a masterclass, really, wasn't it? Let's go to that almost Jared Goff touchdown in the third quarter, where there was a massive defensive play. Made. I can't remember which one of the Patriots it was, I can't remember his name. Um where he covered I don't know how many yards in about three seconds flat just to, to tip it out yeah. it to tip
1: it in the end zone. Um
0: What a play. I mean and this... I,
1: well no, I, I remember I'm trying to remember who it was uh got back with the tip, but yeah, look game changer.
0: Yeah, you exactly. I
1: mean? Rams Rams score that they take the lead and the game flips on it on its head. At uh, instead the game's tied. But you know, that, that's the kind of dedication you need for the Super yeah. Bowl. Any other game, and players would call me out on this and say, you know, that's not the case. We give maximum effort for any other game. I can guarantee you that that tip yeah. was 5% more energy because it was the Super Bowl. Um,
0: Pure like, adrenaline.
1: Game, game-changing play. Yeah. Um,
0: So with that particular one then, two things happened there. First of all, it was an an incredible defensive play. But also Jared Goff was just a little bit late in seeing that, I think. I I think if he sees that a fraction of a second earlier, throws the pass, pings it in there, it's in the end zone. That's a touchdown, isn't
1: it? You know what? I think both both quarterbacks were a little bit guilty of not seeing a few passes yeah. that they could have. Now, we'll, we'll talk about this one. You're right. Goff doesn't quite see him in time. Um, and if he gets that pass away a bit quicker, you catch it possibly just before the end zone, you run it in, and there's the touchdown. Um, instead, you allow the defender to get back, tip it out, no, no TD. But the, th- throughout the game, I j- put, it, put it down to nerves, put it down to not settling, put yeah. it down to whatever it is. Goff just wasn't quite seeing the passes as he usually does. And that, that could, as I said, that could be a multitude of factors that uh, played into that. But that one, that one in particular, I don't think you can sort of blame him for it. Though. No, no you know, not at all. If, it, if he gets it away a bit earlier, yeah, sure. Maybe it's a touchdown. By the same token, Defender doesn't have quite as far to run. So yeah. he, he potentially still gets there. Um, at the end of the day, the pass whenever he made it was bang on the money. Yeah, you know? it was a
0: fraction of a, you know, it was. Yeah. So and a, again, it just an amazing defensive play. After, of- after that, though, um, it kind of you kind of got the feeling then that if one of the one of the quarterbacks was going to get a touchdown, it was going to be Brady, and that's the way it worked out then. Look,
1: the Patriots went back to basics. They ran a play called the Hoss three times in a row. Um, for the life of me, I know I cannot remember what the HOS stands for. It stands for <laughs> something, um, but effectively, it's it's a slant play. Um, and Brady goes first time, um, first time. I can't I can't remember who he went the first time to, but the second time he goes to Rob Gronkowski, and he gains, I think it was, I think it was only about fifteen yards, and then he throws the big pass for the big play. Um, but they played the same play three times in a row, yeah. And the Rams were powerless to stop it. They just had no idea how to cover it. Even whenever he makes that throw uh, right up to the to just shy of the end zone, I think it was two two yards out. Gronk's covered. Gronk is covered by two guys, and Brady has such ability to plop it straight into his hands, yeah. like. He did, Gronk didn't even have to break stride. He just turned around and the ball was coming right to his hands. It was, that's incredible. Um, and your big players come up with big plays. People have said that Gronk is uh, declining. Not true. No. People have said Brady's declining. Not true. Those two have formed such a, such a pairing over how many number of years. I, and now uh, they come up big. In the Super Bowl, they they effectively won that Super Bowl just on, just on that one play because from two yards out you'd back the Patriots to get over it, even if it wasn't on first yeah. down. So you know, I think you've got to you've got to give them a lot of credit for going with that play because whenever you go with it once and it works, you don't really want to go back to it and go, oh, the you know they, they've now got it sussed. Stick with it again. And you stick with it again, and it pl- and it pays off. And it was just, I think the biggest sort of compliment to the Patriots' offense and just the quality of that Patriots' offense is that the Rams were parless to stop it three times yeah. in a row. You know, what it, it, it wasn't even a case of uh, the Patriots capitalized on the Rams making a couple of mistakes. The Rams had decent coverage but they just didn't know how to cover the play three times in a row.
0: Speaking of not knowing how to cover, again, another person they didn't know how to cover, the MVP, Julian Edelman. They had a Uh, tricky time with him.
1: Edelman's had a really tough time and of of his own making with the suspension um, that you obviously know about. Um, But, you know, for him to come back, into that patriots team re-establish himself as the leading receiver and to have a game like that is stunning i was watching the game with my dad and i was just saying you know that they can't give edelman that much space the rams continue to just give edelman so much space and it was actually him who said well no if you if you watch it back He's just working his way into the space. Yeah. He's he's not being given the space. He's earning the space. And, you know, we, we paused a few plays and we rewind and we look back and he, he was absolutely right. Edelman, on, on the man-to-man coverage, was finding space every single time and he was finding lots of space. It's just the footwork. It's just his ability to get free. Uh, Brady knows he's going to be able to do that and he's looking for him. I think it's just... He just had one of those games where everything he did just left defenders in knots. Found the space, made an, an extra couple of meters, and it, it was it was one of those performances that, on another day, would have resulted in a couple touchdowns. It would yeah. have resulted in a few more bigger plays. Um, but he he did the hard yards for the team. He he created that space, made the made sort of the. Initial drives for uh for the Patriots and got them into the right positions. He he was far and away the MVP. And I, ironically, you know, an offensive player getting MVP is uh, on a game like that is yeah. is a little bit ironic. But it's it's hard to pick out defensive players who have uh, stepped up in games like that as well.
0: So in the fourth quarter, we're sitting at thirteen, three to the Patriots. The Rams threw a pick. And then go down the field again, and Greg's Arline misses a field goal, and that's pretty much game over.
1: I, I I'm questioning the like this is p- potentially one of the plays that Sean McVeigh was talking about, where he wasn't so sure if he should have gone for it. You know, they, they go for the field goal with well, I think it was about thirty seconds yeah. left on the clock. It was, it was something around there. Go for the field goal, um, and it misses. I understand that you want to have a go. You know, like running back, uh, running back the restart. Yeah. That, that's that's a fair play. But the, but the way that game was going, you know, your better chance of getting a touchdown was from as close as possible. You know, you weren't getting it from you know b- back inside your own in goal area. Yeah. So. The, One it, of those it, things. It's it tough. Call. I think the big one was uh, was um, Goff getting picked off. That was the killer, it wasn't it? That was yeah, the killer. Yeah, yeah. Because almost very similarly to the Patriots, they went for that play one before and it was knocked out in the in the end zone. And then he, he goes straight back to it and he's picked off. That, that was just one of those things where I think the Patriots showed that they're just one step ahead of them. You know, they can pull off that play three times in a row. The Rams can't do it two times in a row. I will put this one on golf. I, I hate to do so because I really like him as a quarterback. Yeah. I think he's going to be a great player in the future, but the, the pass was just a little bit too floaty. And as soon as he realized that there was a man covering, he should have been looking for another option because I, I don't think that pass was ever on unless you push it in deep behind the, behind the defender. But look, at the end of the day, I think again the the pitches defense was just too good on the day, um, and that, that's I think what won for him.
0: The uh, the thing with that golf pick was, had there have been a sufficient amount of RAM supporters in the stadium, you would have heard the absolute deflation when he get picked off because that pretty much was the killer blow. Fair play to pretty much half of New England for turning up for the Super Bowl. It was like ninety. It was like playing at Gillette Stadium for them. Tom Brady actually, I think, said in the interview at the end, it was like playing at Gillette Stadium. So, again, they had that massive advantage as well.
1: They love that. They love their football up in
0: Massachusetts. Well, I was listening to the guys on the uh, around the NFL podcast, and they were saying it's now a thing where families who live in Boston and New England in general kind of work the Super Bowl into their budget for the year kind of say, right, we're not going on holiday this year because we're going to the Super Bowl, uh, obviously, because it's New England. So, yeah. Is there anything else you think we should mention from the Super Bowl or anything that we've maybe skipped over? Because I know we've kind of breezed over it. It's a bit all over the place. But, again, there's not much to stab at, really.
1: We missed out the halftime show.
0: Yeah, well, we're always going to come back to the halftime show.
1: Okay, right, right.
0: right. (laughs) We're we're always going to come back. Let's do that now. Let's dissect the halftime show, which, for me, I, I mean, there's reports out there saying... It was the worst halftime show of all time and, and, you know, all that kind of thing. For me, it was a Maroon 5 concert. They sang the hits and Adam Levine took his top off and that's a Maroon 5 concert. You know, that's that's what you get from it.
1: I, I actually didn't watch it at the time because I just thought, you know, I like the odd Maroon 5 song, but I'm not a huge Maroon 5 fan or anything like that. Um, and then after it was over, I went on Twitter and everyone was saying that was the worst thing I've ever seen. So... <laughs> Okay, well, i got to go back and watch it now. Um, honestly, I, I didn't think it was that bad. It was, it was just the fact that it was going to be Rihanna, and you know Rihanna's going to kill it. Yeah. Um, and she pulled out. And effectively, they scrambled around for yeah. uh, whoever they could get, and unfortunately, that ended up being Marine 5. Um, I say that with the greatest of respect to Marine 5. You know, they're a great band. <laughs> been so successful for so many years and as i said I, I like a few of their songs but um at the end of the day they were always going to be up against it in terms oh, of completely trying to impress people and i i think they would yeah they, they were on to a loser from the start unfortunately and it would have only taken a pretty flawless performance from them i think. It's hard to say because I don't know what else they could have done, yeah. but I think the NFL got it wrong in this one. As, well, I, do, like, as, as I say, I don't know what they could have done instead. Exactly. I don't know what, the, what they should have done. I mean, they, they couldn't not have the halftime show because that's practically a staple of the Super Bowl. Yeah. You can't get rid of it.
0: Um, do you think people were just pissed that it wasn't Rihanna? Do you think that's what it was? Just a case of, you're not Rihanna, so we're going to cut probably. you down because...
1: Well, a lot of people were very disappointed in, um, in Maroon 5 for not actually...
0: Pulling out uh, of the hole, yeah. yeah for,
1: for not pulling out in, uh, and taking a stand with Kaepernick. But, yeah.
0: But the, again... As, uh,
1: as I said, they were, they, were, they were onto a loser no matter what way yeah. it happened. Unless they have been absolutely superb and, um, you know, no notes wrong and anything like that, I don't think they were ever going to win Yeah.
0: <laughs> Right, well, that wraps it up for the NFL season. We look forward to uh, to next season coming around, which is ages away. But hopefully, if it's anything like last season, the off season will fly and we'll get there because I'm excited.
1: Well, the off season's already begun. Literally, one day yeah. after the uh, one day after the Super Bowl, the Patriots uh, lose Brian Flores yes. to the Dolphins. So the
0: Dolphins, Are you excited and about Zach that?
1: Taylor goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you so. excited about that
0: acquisition for the Dolphins?
1: I'm hugely excited. I because would be if. If that's the defensive displays he's going to bring from yeah. New England to Miami, I'm all for it. We're going to be great.
0: <laughs> great defensively. It doesn't mean you're going to go out there and score points, but that's beside well, the point.
1: And, of course, we, we, need, we need to get we need to get our offense sorted. We need to get a quarterback first and foremost because we're not taking Tannehill for next year. So <laughs> that, that's the first thing. But, look, like, that's something that's for next season. Yeah. We'll worry about that later. We'll you're... probably have a new quarterback by the end of the week and we'll be talking about it next week. You're
0: excited part. about the Dolphins. I'm excited about the box next year, Bruce Arians. That is, we have to be better than the last five, six seasons, surely, and um, I, I'm, I'm excited about that.
1: <laughs> you, you say Shirley, you, you surely, surely, <laughs> please.
0: Um, yeah, and hopefully, I'm going to look at the uh, price tickets to go and see them play in London as well. That would be amazing. Very yeah, good. The, 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 the box and also, Bruce Arians could, in London.
1: I just want to point out. Neither of our Super Bowl picks won the Super Bowl. Well, even though you're... Even though you well, the
0: Super Bowl, You didn't win. Now, hang on. Do you remember... See, I, I can't yep. really back this up because we, yep. once, we once made a podcast that was a pilot that didn't go out. You've probably heard us mention it before. We call it the podcast that never was. And on that, I said that I was going for New England and we agreed that that was the safe bet and that I would go for someone else because going for New England is the asshole thing to do. And that's what I did. So I went for the Rams instead. Technically... <laughs> If you want to get into technicalities, I I did predict the Super Bowl winner, but
1: I, I don't remember I don't remember ever recording a pilot podcast. Yeah, Just... I wish I'd see if I not you're, deleted you're, it. I think you're making, <laughs> <up>. you're making <laughs> I wish
0: I wish I didn't use it the clear room off my laptop. Anyway, um, I did I did indeed predict the winner and and the runner up as well. So, uh, yeah,
1: all right. It makes me right.
0: wonder why I've got you on here, Adam. <laughs>
1: this is the part where he leaves do you want to switch roles
0: (laughs) no I I don't have the time for your kind of job (laughs) should we move on to NBA then see what's going on there yeah I think that's
1: a good
0: idea We're going to take a look at some of the NBA action now that the football is over. Obviously, the, the Super Bowl has taken up quite a substantial bit of our time in the podcast today. We're going to sort of just take a quick look over over some of the other sports, and, and we are starting with the NBA, and we're starting with your team, the Celtics, who are taking after the Patriots and starting to try and climb that ladder, really, aren't they?
1: You know what? It was a great day on Sunday for Boston sports in general, because the Patriots won, the Celtics won, the Browns won, and I was <laughs> sitting at home absolutely delighted with two of those. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, but just in general, yeah, the Celtics are going really well at the moment, and they're starting to move back into that sort of championship contender mode. Because you got to bear in mind that these guys started the season ten and ten, which was completely uh, unpredicted. You know, everyone thought that the Celtics yeah. were going to be right up at the top, and they were going to stay there. Well, you had and... a
0: really good feeling about them at, at the start of the season. I remember that, and yeah. you thought so I
1: they're... thought they were set up perfectly to go uh, to basically be at the top and be challenging the Raptors all season. Now, they're still a little bit behind the Raptors, so they're not quite up there yet, but obviously Toronto are a different beast. But, nine wins in their last ten. Um, they have the third best scoring margin in the NBA uh, 6.9. They've just beaten Oklahoma City in a very tough game that was on Sunday. Kyrie is continuing to be Kyrie. But, the, the fact of the matter is Boston are starting to play well and, well, sorry, not even starting to play well. I think they've actually gone under the radar quite a lot yeah. because because they had that 10-10 start, you know, they weren't up at the top and therefore a lot of the attention was taken away from them, but they're on a 60-win uh, streak since then. i oh, a, a sorry, the, they're on target for 60 wins yeah. since then. Um, which, you know, is the kind of is the kind of form that you would expect from the top teams. So a lot of people are sleeping on the Celtics whenever actually they're just kind of impressing a little bit. Um, In the last two months, they have the second-best offense. They are the fifth-best defense. Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Daniel Tess all proven big off the bench. One of the big things is, looking forward, they've got games against Cleveland. In Cleveland, they welcome the Lakers to the TD Garden. That's a good chance for two more wins. There's a very good chance that they could just keep this form going. And then they come into the playoffs. They have home court advantage if they can uh, if they can keep this run going. And then a lot of teams will not want to play them because they're in that kind of form. Um, I still think they're a little bit behind Toronto and Milwaukee, but... You, you don't know. You don't know. Just the, the way they're playing at the moment, they could uh, they could shock a few teams. But they've they've got to get rid of sort of this this sort of stench of drama. You know, they. Yeah. Even though they're out of that ten ten start and they're they're a long way out of it now, you still sort of get the sense that this team at any point could you Slip know the wheel can come that, off yeah. and the cart could grind along uh, for a little bit. Look, I think. It, they just need to put in a few really convincing performances against the big teams because they they put away a few teams rather handily, and that's that's fine, but they're not doing it consistently to the better teams. Um, I think they need a really big performance um against one of the bigger teams coming up soon. Uh,
0: this sort of particular news story we're going to talk about is a little bit further down the order. Talking about the Pelicans trying to trade Anthony Davis, he submitted a trade request. Talk of him going to the Celtics.
1: Yeah, it, it's actually funny because um, this happened overnight um, but it seems unlikely that Davis is going to be traded this summer. Just to actually backtrack, um, Davis submitted a trade request to the Pelicans because he's not happy with where the franchise is going, um, especially coming up to the trade deadline. That's yeah. not a surprise to hear a few guys doing that. And so the... Uh, The Celtics can't trade for him now because of the Rose Rule, um, which basically is to do with player contracts. um, To dumb it down, it's very technical, but it's basically to do with players and how they've signed contracts. The Celtics already have Kyrie Irving signed up to one of those contracts, so they can't then go out uh, to get Davis either. or Sorry, Davis as well. So they have to wait until the summer to trade for him. Right. No, the uh, the Pelicans want to trade him now. They're not good. It seems very likely they're not going to trade him now because they're not happy with uh, what the Lakers are offering, offering, and think the Celtics can offer better. Yeah. So they're going to wait until the summer. They're going to see what happens, uh, and then they'll see what they can do because it seems like Boston are going to offer Jason Tatum in whatever deal. And Boston have a lot more draft picks that they can give up in exchange for Davis. Plus, Davis is good friends of Kyrie Irving, who is potentially going to sign a long-term deal in Boston. But we don't know. We'll talk about that shortly. Yeah. In fact, we might go to that next, simply because <laughs> we're now discussing things. Uh, so there's there's a lot of factors in play. You look, even the the fact that the Lakers offered Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. Rayjean Rondo, Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, and two future first-round picks for Davis. Yeah. <laughs> and the Pelicans still think they can get more for him. Now, Davis they they basically
0: good. just want Golden State for him by the sounds of things.
1: Like, Davis is great. Like He's a great player, and he becomes a hot commodity You know, once he hits the trade market, uh, which we've already seen. But you're turning down one, two, three, four, five, six You're turning down six players. Two of whom two of whom will probably go on your bench. The other four are genuine contenders to go into your starting five. And two future first round picks for Davis. Who what are the Celtics gonna have to offer to get to get him in? Because it's gonna have to be a massive package in order to to get him over to uh, yeah. to Boston. New Orleans, I think, have to play this very carefully because, to me, that's a really good deal that uh, Los Angeles are offering. And if, if you're going to turn that down, you've got to make sure that they're going to offer that again because I, I don't think they will. I don't think the Lakers are going to come into trade dealings in the summer and say, we're still willing to offer you exactly yeah. what we offered you back in, back in January. You, you've lost half a year on Davis you're, you're going to be taking one of maybe Kuzma and uh, Ingram out of that deal. So, you know, that that's already a substantial yeah. drop in the, in the return that you're getting. So you have to be very, very careful in uh, how, how you're working this, which makes me think that New Orleans have been in talks with Boston, yeah. and Boston have said, in the summer, we will offer you. And they're hoping that that's going to end up being better than uh, what the Lakers are offering right now. But there's a whole lot even below the surface that we haven't even discussed, you know, where Davis doesn't want to go to Boston and he's not going to sign long-term in Boston, yeah. but he would sign long-term with LA. Yeah. And the fact that he's friends with Kyrie and... Kyrie's just said that he's not sure his future is in Boston, which we, will, we well, are going you know to what, talk about. Let,
0: yeah. let's, let's go to that now, actually, because we're, we're in the theme of the Boston Celtics. There's a whole sort yeah. of ladder of things happening here. So let's stick with that. Kyrie Irving admitting that his future may not be in Boston. Now, he is the Boston player at the minute. So oh, what yeah. do you make of that? Um, I'm
1: devastated, personally. Naturally, yeah,
0: <laughs> naturally. But,
1: yeah, definitely, um, yeah. Or to fill anybody in who's not quite aware of this uh, Kerry Irving said at the start of the season that he uh, he wanted to stay with the Celtics long term he wanted to sign a whole new or long term deal uh, he wanted to have his number put in the rafters and stuff like that at TD Garden and basically the works he was saying all the right things and a reporter asked him about it recently and he said ask me July 1st which is when the free agency opens so yeah He's effectively admitted that he's not quite so sure anymore. I think he, he is good friends with Davis, so I think he is waiting to see what could yeah. transpire there. If Davis, say, was to go to the Lakers and Kyrie thinks there's a possibility of me going there, yeah. joining LeBron and Davis... And Kyrie in one roster is, you know, you're, well, you're really putting together a superstar roster there. This is
0: it. We've always been saying, we've been saying for the whole season that this isn't the Lakers season, this isn't LA season, but next season very much could be. And the way things are going, trying to acquire Davis, maybe throwing Irving into that mix, They, I mean, they would be massive contenders next year.
1: Well, the, the interesting thing is, I've always thought that... Um, the Lakers will be competitive next year because the likes of Ball, the likes of Rondo, they've gotten an extra year under their belts and they'll be better players for it. You'd be losing those guys for Davis. Now, Davis more than makes up for it in his production by himself, but you're suddenly down quite a few bench guys. Um, That's why I think LA have to be very careful in what they give back. Do you give away all those bench guys? in exchange for davis and potentially hinder what you get coming on like during games or do you just go hail mary yeah let's get as many guys on the on the court from the from the elf and see what they can give us well again let's
0: Um, let's look at uh, let's look at golden state we it always comes back to golden state part of the reason they're so good is because of the depth on their bench and you need that if you're going to win a championship
1: no, Golden State's strength is in their starting five. Well, yes, like
0: no, but is... I, but they went through a patch there where Steph Curry wasn't there and everything, and, and the depth certainly mm. it kept them productive.
1: Well, if yeah, you don't have, you're, you don't have... you're right. You're, you're right. Um, the, the thing is with the, with the Lakers is their depth isn't as good. Yeah. And... This was a year where they built that depth, and now it looks like they're going to trade all that depth well, this, this, away. this is what
0: I mean, yeah. If, if they give yeah, that away, bring then in,
1: bring in Davis. So it's, it's weighing it up. Davis instantly makes that team better, obviously. But it's just you—you um, you have to take the drop off in terms of what you can bring on off the bench, and it's weighing that up. That's for GMS who are far more knowledgeable about. Well, this is true. And this is true. (laughs) Hold my hands up.
0: Let's uh, let's go to Houston, who are kind of the opposite of the Celtics, had a really, really good start to the season, and now they're starting to sort of teal off, kind of flipping the coin on how the Celtics are doing, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I was reading uh, a preview of their game against the Suns last night, um, and I think it was very (coughs) interesting that the only Houston player mentioned was James Harden. Now... James Harden is having an MVP le- year, and we've said this for yeah. many now. Like he's probably got it won already with that ridiculous January that he had. But this team cannot become a wholly one-man team. They can rely on Harden as much as they want. Sure, like he's a superstar. Absolutely, you rely on him. Juventus rely on Cristiano Ronaldo. The Patriots rely on Tom Brady. It's fine. But you can't make this a wholly one-man team. You, you can't have it so that your other players are becoming afterthoughts. Yeah. You have to have. You have to at least have one more person in discussion. As James Harden is the superstar, but here's someone who's doing well, or James Harden is going through a bit of a slump, but here's two players who have stepped up in his absence. Right now, it's just James Harden. Right now, Harden is all it's about. Um and that, that for me is a problem you can't be relying so much on one guy because if Harden gets injured this team falls apart and that you know that's that's the biggest problem for the rockets that they've already got injuries to the likes of chris paul and clint capella which is hindering them even more uh they've lost to the pelicans pelicans and the nuggets recently neither are <clears> poor <throat> losses but ideally you want to win at least yeah. one of the two um Obviously, you never want to lose back-to-back. But the, this, this for me, is a make-or-break time for Houston. They've got Oklahoma City, they've got Dallas, and they've got Golden State coming up in quick succession. I think Golden State's after the All-Star break and the other two are before it. They need to be aggressive at the deadline because w- whenever you've got an MVP guy... Like Harden in your roster, you have to be contending, and right now they're not. They're sixth in the Western. They're falling a long way behind the Nuggets and the Warriors uh, at the top of the at the top of the standings. They have to go out and they have to get someone who's going to take a little bit of the pressure off of Harden. Yeah. I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know how much they're willing to give up. But whenever you have someone like Harden. You have to be competing at some point while he's there. And right now they're kind of hovering in between both and it's it's not working. They're going through a tough stretch and this is a really sticker twist time.
0: Um, right from the outset, since the Cavs lost LeBron, we've been talking about how, how bad the Cavs have been and are probably going to be for the rest of the season. There is one team sitting below them in the Eastern Conference happens to be the team that i uh i support where where the the vision that i have and being able to predict the super bowl final and stuff you know you know the 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 winners and all that kind of thing i lack in supporting the basketball team because the knicks are flat (laughs) bottom of the eastern conference and they've just traded away the best player that we have chris taps he's away to dallas i suppose it's it's kind of it's time for something
1: It, it was going to happen yeah he had that sit down with the uh, with the team management and said he wasn't happy with the direction of the team, and to be honest, the fact that the deal happened so quickly with the Mavs makes me think that they already had this lined up yeah. for a while, or or they were very quick to pull the trigger on uh, trading him. So, I think it was just the end of, the end of the end of the line for these guys. But what what the Knicks have done. Is they've opened up a lot of cap space for some wheeling yeah. and dealing and free agency, and that I think was one of the big drivers. Well, there's room for the, a rebuild you know? now. Yeah, you're, you're coming into well, potentially they're going to even skip the rebuild phase. Like that team isn't good. Don't get me wrong. Like they're, they're not a good team, but think about if you add two big free agents. You could the likes of Kevin Durant, Kemba Walker, even Kyrie could go yeah. to New York um in free agency I would love
0: that I would love that just to see your face but anyway
1: yeah that I mean, face
0: that you're doing right now that's the one no no <laughs> no
1: um, <laughs> but yeah they could be choosing from one of those three they've got the cap space for two big free agents yeah like they, they're going to be really aggressive uh in the off season so say you bring in Durant and Walker Let, let's say Kyrie does re-sign in Boston because I don't want to give you the satisfaction of having him <laughs> But even bringing Durant and Kemba Walker, that, that instantly makes that team into a bubble playoff side, yeah. at least, if not more. Um, so I, I think I think that's probably where you're going to see the Knicks try and pursue a few guys uh, this summer. And if they could maybe go and get a trade for someone else, it, it's going to be a quick rebuild as opposed yeah. to a long rebuild. You know that they're, they're not going to sit in their hands and go, Okay, we'll 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 build a bit of depth. They made this trade for they made this Porzingis trade for a reason. They're opening up that cap room specifically to bring in these couple of free agents. Um and I think that's that's exactly why they've done this. So what, the Mavs get better because they bring in Porzingis for next season. Yeah. Um the next get the cap space to go out and be aggressive in free agency. And they also got Dennis Smith Jr. who uh, who's gonna be taking over at point guard and could be the kind of guy who's going to flourish now without sort of sitting behind Luka Doncic. You know, he, yeah. he comes in. He's he's going to be a bit of a a bit of a step up a point guard for them. So interesting to see how he goes because he's he could definitely nail down a starting job for next year. Well,
0: from a Knicks fans' point of view, it's very um, it's one of those seasons that every team has every now and again, and probably the right trade to make. I think. Because you do you open up that cap room chance to be better next year?
1: Who knows? Well, look, this, this season's a write-off, like, no question. Oh,
0: completely, yeah, 100%. I've stopped watching <laughs> like, and everything.
1: At this point, you are 100% looking forward to next season. And <laughs> by trading away Chris Dapp's, you know that that's exactly what they've done. So in terms of Nick's management, I think they have got this one spot on. It's now just the case of sitting back and waiting to see what your return is and how, you, how the trade works out for you. But so far, yeah, I think they've done well out of it.
0: Can't wait to see Kyrie Irving in a next strip. Should we go to NHL? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Right then, we're right flat in the middle of the NHL season and let's go to the Sabres. We we're talking about the wheels coming off in, in the uh, uh, NBA bit there. Let's talk about the Sabres. That seems to be happening too.
1: Remember when everyone was drooling over that 17 6 and 2 start? <laughs> and it seemed like it seemed like trade or uh, drafting Rasmus Stallin had instantly made the Sabres the best team in the NHL and <laughs> everyone was going is this guy really that good that he's able to carry one of the worst teams from the NHL last si- last season to be one of the best teams this season no um the fact is the Sabres now this slump has lasted longer than the awesome start yeah. so you know if if we thought that the real Sabres were the ones that started the season we can't say that anymore this is now the real yeah. sabers. Um, you kind of look at them got... at,
0: at the start. They were wow. Look at the sabers, and now they're kind of like, yeah, that's 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 the sabers. Now it's kind of like, sad. ah, look at the <laughs> sabers. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, no, it's. I I don't think anyone ever got too high on them. Yeah, um, I think I, there was always the potential that they could be a. Like a playoff side, like a wild card side. Even no talking Stanley Cup. I don't, think I, I don't think I don't think anyone ever got too high on them, and this is kind of you know that when the pressure came on, they they buckled. They are still on the playoff bubble, just um, but one one more bad week might put an end to that. You know, one more bad week could could end their chances, yeah. and I, they they've got a couple tough weeks coming up that really could determine their season. One of the big things now is you come to the trade deadline where initially you thought that Buffalo were going to be uh, very active buyers. Now they're sort of at a crossroads because they could be sellers if things continue to go badly. And if a bigger rival could reinvigorate this side, bringing someone in anywhere in that lineup uh, could just be that push that they need to get back into the playoffs or flip it around they could cash in on a few of their best assets right now. Jeff Skinner could potentially be a trade chip after looking like he was going to be the guy leading them into the playoffs. He's the kind of guy that a few teams could really do with. Uh, yeah. Here wanting to be a Stanley Cup side, so. Look, Buffalo. A lot of people are having snap reactions to the slump. I was reading a couple of um, Buffalo reporters who were saying you know drastic changes are needed you need drastic reactions that they had that great start and nobody was calling for any uh any changes at that point i don't think you should be calling for any changes right now i think this is this is just sort of what what the real sabers are and you've just got to accept that sure you make changes to try and turn things around you, yeah. you shake the lines a bit you call up one guy from the ahl and you drop one guy down it happens i don't think you need drastic changes i think you get the chance to bring someone in um for like in a trade potentially go for that but i, I don't think you start firing and hiring guys all over the place yeah. so, like, you for the most part you stay put with what you got
0: Let's go to Philly, who had a shockingly bad start to the season. They're now starting to look like the Philadelphia Flyers that we were all expecting them to be this season.
1: Oh my word, the Philadelphia Flyers are one of the most frustrating teams in the NHL, because right at the point where it looks like they're going to be, you know, big sellers at the trade deadline, and they're going to rebuild for next year, all of a sudden they start winning games, Not just there's a complete spanner into the works, like... What do you do <laughs> now? they they're they're actually. I think it's they're only three games out on Carolina above them. Yeah. When, even two weeks ago was unthinkable. But you know they they've now won. I think it's seven in a row. they were they were playing last night, and I forgot to check up their results. I think
0: and they I'm won three two last night against. Um, hang on, we'll check. Canucks. Yeah. Beat, sorry, Canucks beat the beat the Canucks two one.
1: So they beat the Canucks. 2 on and they've, they've still you know like that's 8 in a row now yeah. that they've won so all of a sudden this team has gone from 100% sellers at the deadline to actually hold on we could sneak into the playoffs here at the last minute so what do you do? I do they're still going to move Simmons I think that's probably likely now that they've sort of gone all in and basically said yeah he, he's Oski. um but at the same time, you keep him around. You never know. Yeah, um, they find an absolute gem in Carter Hart. Carter Hart in goals. Um, a guy who was early nine hundred save percentage in uh, in the AHL. All of a sudden, these low nine twenties in the NHL, which is insane. The run has had a little bit of good fortune. I'll, I'll admit that. You know, they've had overtime winners over Boston and Edmonton, but. At the same time, they're winning, and that's huge.
0: They're, they're sort of looking like the team, like I say, we all thought they were going to be because they were shocking at the start of the season.
1: Exactly. Like th- this is the thing, you know. Buffalo at the start of the season had that great run, and looked completely not like the team we thought they would be, <laughs> and now they are. Philadelphia had a terrible run to start the season and didn't look like the team we thought they'd be, and now, now they, they do. Are, so, yeah, it's all about timing, you know. For for all we know, um. Like the New York Rangers could go on a fifteen and zero tear to finish the season or something, and you know completely be a team that we didn't expect. It's, it's the it's the greatest part of sport. You know anything could happen. I can't for, see for, for
0: that <laughs> to be fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but for for Philadelphia, the the timing's just been really bad on this one. If this has if this had happened, you know maybe two weeks ago, they would. Have a completely different philosophy coming into February uh, and approaching the trade deadline. Now they're just in a little bit of an awkward position.
0: Just when you're talking about stuff that sort of you don't imagine happening, for example, the Rangers getting themselves up there to win the Stanley Cup. The Islanders still top of the Metropolitan. Fair play. We've gone Islanders.
1: Yeah. Like I'm, comp- I'm completely on the Islanders hype train. Barry Trotz, coach of the year yet again.
0: Fair play. I mean, that sitting there top of the Metropolitan. Didn't expect that, but yet here we are in uh, in February. It's-
1: Interesting to see what they'll do at the trade deadline. Yeah, completely. If they, if they if they decide that this is a group that can actually go for the Stanley Cup, then uh, you could see them being aggressive. Or they could stick with the plan that they've had, which is compete a little bit down the line. Uh, very interesting.
0: When you talk about the trade deadline, let's talk about some trades. The Maple Leafs trade for Jake Muzzin. Muzzin? Muzzin?
1: Muzzin. Muzzin. I'm not 100% sure on that either. I think it's <laughs> Muzzin. Um... Yeah, uh, the Maple Leafs have been very firm on the fact that they're not going for rentals, which is probably smart given that the Lightning lead the Atlantic Division and um, they seem like their Stanley Cup certs right now just because they're playing so well. But they were open to improving their blue line and they've done that by bringing in Muzzin who instantly upgrades the left side of their defence. He's gone on to the top pairing with Morgan Riley. You can instantly see an improvement and uh, you know, I, I think this is the start of a fire sale for uh, the Kings because they've just been so poor this season yeah. that they need to take a step back and start rebuilding. But the Maple Leafs at least making a, a little bit of noise that they're going to try and do something in the Stanley Cup. But at the very least, they've got themselves uh, sitting nicely for next season too.
0: It looks like Artemi Panarin is on the move.
1: Yeah, he's uh, rejected new contract talks with Columbus. Um Something we've talked about for a while now, uh, the Blue Jacks deciding what to do with him and Sergei Bobrovsky. It seems like they're going to move him now, and again, very similarly to Philadelphia, only a bit, a bit more prominent because Columbus are going to make the playoffs. It seems, you know, they they're getting rid of their leading scorer, twenty goals, thirty nine assists in forty nine games, which is a great return. And they've decided they'd be more beneficial to move him than keep him. Instantly weakens them. Yeah, like no, no question about it. This, uh, if they get rid of Panarin, they're taking a big step back in terms of uh, their production and what the what they're able to do on offense. So you, you wonder now if. That'll potentially make them a bit more aggressive in moving Sergei Bobrovsky as well. They're just going to get rid of the two of them and cut their losses. Um, Interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see who's in on Panarin as well, because I have no doubt that the Blue Jackets will want a big return for him.
0: And last but not least, let's go to the Panthers and Penguins, who are having a multiplayer swap.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the Panthers get Derek Brassard, who they were who the Penguins were trying to trade for a while. Uh, and Riley Sheehan. The Penguins get Nick Bukestad and Jared McCann. Twenty nineteen second round and two fourth round draft picks. Um this is less about the players, more about the payroll flexibility. Panthers get a bit, um they're gonna be very big players in free agency this summer. So I think that's why they were trying to move out Bugstad and McCann. Um the penguins have shaken up their depth just a little bit, just freshen up that group, yeah. keep it moving. They've added a bit more long-term stability at center as well, which is something that they needed sort of behind the behind that top line. Bugstad is actually quite key in this though. Um, if he can get back to his good form from a couple of years ago then he's a great pickup for uh, for Pittsburgh just as some supplementary scoring to that top line
0: is that us? Is that us that's NHL isn't it? that's us wrapped up yeah that's, that's well, us
1: wrapped up <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do want to talk about a game I watched last night the Ducks against the Maple uh, yeah the Maple Leafs I, I never want to say that a team is tanking but uh, the Ducks sure could have fooled me last night
0: <laughs> what, I didn't and see I, it, what happened
1: the Ducks were just extremely poor. I, I just did not rate them in the slightest. <laughs> you, oh, so you want Okay. The, the Ducks have been really, really poor recently. Um, and it's a shame because they're a team that came into the season potentially thinking about uh, winning a... Or at least making the playoffs. And they have been dreadful. Um, yeah, I'm
0: just I'm looking at their sort of record here now. So last night it was a six-one defeat against them. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Nine-three against the Jets. Jets yeah. are a good side, to be fair.
1: Jets are a good side, but look, as I said, I, I never intentionally accuse a team of uh, tanking. So that I don't think they are. But my word, they, there's something wrong in Anaheim at the moment because that's just not good.
0: I know we mentioned this before, um, before we started. But well done to the Belfast Giants. That win against Nottingham on Sunday was excellent, wasn't it? I just... They, they, that can do moment. With,
1: they can do with a lot less drama right now. You know, 6-5 on Saturday, 8-5 <laughs> on Sunday. My match report can only be so long, guys. Stop scoring.
0: You are only allowed so much in the paper.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I need to stop at some point. I can't just keep writing, but... Uh, now they're still winning cut the gap at the top of the table to three points big double header coming up against yeah. the Cardiff Devils in a couple of weeks it's just the same Sheffield did
0: has no favours over the weekend
1: really could have pulled no, us out of the I... there. I
0: know they hate us but
1: didn't expect them to do us any favours no. but my goodness that was disappointing the Steelers are 3-1 up and conceded six unanswered goals
0: yeah. uh, let's talk about baseball just while, because it's still the off-season, we're going to talk about a couple of trades, so we'll just throw it in with the NHL, because we've been talking about trades, we'll throw it in there, um, oh, yeah. and we'll start with JT Real too. we've been talking about him a past couple of sort of podcasts now, is there anything happening there?
1: Well pronounced, by the way, yeah. <laughs> I've heard uh, you, say it before. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, top catcher on the market, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, Marlins have been trying to move him for a while, Um Padres, Reds, and Dodgers are the leading contenders, and it seems like the Marlins are finding a couple of deals that they're ready to sort of uh, pull the trigger on. Uh, we know they want Tucker Barnhart or Jonathan and Dia from the Reds, or one of Fernando Tatis Jr., Mackenzie Gore, or Luis Urias from San Diego. They want a big return for Real Muto, and it, it like you don't you don't blame them for wanting it because he is a uh, a superstar in terms of uh, behind the plate, so just keep keep an eye on this one over the next week because it seems like there could be a deal done uh, within the next week. It's one of those ones where you don't really want to go into spring training with that still rumbling on. Yeah, you you, you want ideally to get your trades done before you uh, get into camp, which I believe is the middle of next week for most teams so this this is actually gonna be a very big week in baseball because you're gonna have Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. We're gonna talk about Harper in a second here, but um you're gonna have those two signing at some point this week. yeah, there's there's no way they're leaving it until uh, spring trainings started. Um, and I think you're gonna have a few trades done. So well, let's start
0: I, let's start with Bryce Harper then. he's been meeting with the Padres.
1: Yeah, he, he posted a very cryptic message on Twitter. I just
0: hate a, it when they do that.
1: Yeah, he just said he said so he suggested he's soon to make his decision, but we already knew that anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, very interesting that the Padres see him as a business investment, and they've been very open about this. Obviously, they see him as a good baseball player. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We're not saying they're going to sign him and then force him to stand outside the stadium <laughs> every day, shaking hands and signing autographs. Um. But yeah, they, they've openly admitted that you know that this guy's going to be an investment, someone to build the franchise around, and sort of stick on billboards all over the city. Yeah. Um. Which is fair, but I, I'm not sure how thrilled Har- Harper will be to be seen as a business investment. In well, some players
0: player. thrive off that, though.
1: Yeah, but you could word it a bit better, you know. Bring it, bring him in as your marquee player or something well, like that. Well, yeah, I suppose. Not, not a
0: we're bringing you in to make money off sponsorship.
1: Business investment sounds to me like you're wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase yeah. to an office meeting on the 34th floor or something like that. <laughs> not not walking onto a field in a, in a cap with a baseball bat. Um, it's interesting that the Padres are in on Harper because their outfield is... Pretty full, um, whereas third base is an area of need, and there's a certain Manny Machado available, so... This is
0: true, and we still don't know where he's going.
1: Exactly. So, you wonder, you know, why are you in on Harper and not in on Machado? Um, yeah. Very, very interesting to keep an eye on.
0: And surely um, Machado is just as much of a business investment, if you're going down that road.
1: Of course he of course he would be. And it makes you wonder has he already said to the Padres I'm not interested in coming to you or something yeah. like that? I don't know. You know, that that's me speculating completely. Um but you know, whenever you look at the fact that the Padres could really use a third baseman, they would be okay without Harper. Yeah. They'd obviously be better with Harper, but they would be okay without him. why are you pursuing one free agent over the other? there is a reason behind it and that remains possibly, to be seen possibly they think Harper is more marketable than Machado we, we do not
0: know. it's strange that they are trying, they are sort of teams do it they they get players to market the team but it's kind of it, it does oh, seem yeah. strange that they would put it out there in the open it's not like you event you, you mentioned event this earlier on it's not like they come out and said we're going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo because he is Cristiano Ronaldo and he'll bring money in, which he will they'd sign yeah. him because he's Cristiano Ronaldo and he's bloody amazing yeah.
1: You know? like, when, when, whenever you sign a big name player, naturally shirt sales, yeah. and sponsor deals, advertising comes with it. You know, it's a, it's natural. It happens. You don't need to say he's a business investment. We know he's going to be a business investment. So interesting, but. We'll, we'll see. I I'm pretty confident both those players will have their decisions made by the end yeah. of the
0: week. I don't know if you heard it there, but my dog Alfie was just given his sort of two peeves worth on the uh, on the business <laughs> investment. Let's go to L.A. AJ Pollock has gone to the Dodgers.
1: He's also an opinion on AJ Pollock. Apparently, not a
0: fan. Not a fan.
1: Yeah. So Pollock goes straight into that Dodgers outfield and center field, um, probably alongside Jock Peterson and. Now that Puig's gone, they'll, they'll probably go with uh, Tolls there. I, it it adds even more offense to a power stack lineup. They, at, at the end of the day, that's what this is. The Dodgers have just made their lineup even better. Um, and they were already firm favorites in the NL West. This only furthers their, uh, their claims to be one of the best uh, in baseball. So uh, I think they're definitely... Re, uh, restocking and going for another World Series push.
0: Well, yeah, they've just come off the back of two back-to-back World Series attempts. They didn't win. Do you think this could be the year for them?
1: Absolutely. It's too early to say, I, really, isn't it? I, I th- Yeah, it could be the year for them. It absolutely could be the year for them because... Um, they haven't lost too many from that roster from last year, and they've only gone and improved it. So why not? They have the experience. They have a manager in Dave Roberts who knows exactly how to lead teams to the World Series. I think it's just when they get to the World Series, yeah. they need to know how to get over the line. They they know how to win post-season series. It's just the World Series. But um, if, if they could maybe bring in one more, maybe one of Machado or Harper... <laughs> Just gonna drop that in there, and um, they become the favourites. But they're already pretty stacked, and I think uh, I think they're gonna be competing there for uh, for the World Series again.
0: Let's finish up then with Arizona, the Arizona Diamondbacks, my team, who have bagged to keep themselves. You happy. Yes, we've, is this the only reason you put this in next... here? Sorry. Is this the only reason you put Arizona in? Just yeah. To, yeah. A bit... No, that's fair just enough. To, that's fine. We did. absolutely... I kind of you say we tore apart the Knicks. I'm okay with where the Knicks are at the minute to be honest. I feel like every every team gets that season, you just you take it on the chin and you move on.
1: Goodness knows I've had that many with uh, the Dolphins.
0: So... <laughs> every season is that for the we, Dolphins. Yeah. I mean this this was a good Dolphin season, just missing out on the uh on the playoffs. That's a good season for the Dolphins. But anyway, I um... mean, I
1: feel like that, I feel like that's a backhanded compliment but all right. Um, <laughs> right, Greg
0: Holland yeah. going to the Diamondbacks.
1: The Diamondbacks have signed Greg Holland uh to bolster their relief corps. He's no longer the dominant pitcher he was in twenty fourteen. We all know that. He's uh, he's had his struggles. But he had a rebound with the Nationals down last season. He earned himself a decent uh a decent deal with the D backs, even though he was dreadful in St. Louis to start the season. So I think he's worked himself back into back into a major league role. And honestly, he, he should probably get a crack at the D-backs closer role because right now, Archie Bradley seems to be the guy who's going to, he's going to do that. And he's more suited to like a multi-inning role or,
0: yeah.
1: a, or a sort of a swing role there. So Holland's going to get, should get a crack at the closer role there to start the season. It'll be interesting to see how he does, because one of the things that he's good at is limiting home runs. So if he can do that in uh, tight games, That's obviously a massive plus to have as a closer. Uh, So it'll be interesting to to see where he slots in because I I think he he could definitely be one that is either a phenomenal pickup for the D-backs or he could be a complete bust. It'll be interesting to see.
0: Looking forward to seeing it. And then spring training starts middle of this week, middle of next week? Middle of next week. Middle of next week.
1: Uh, So pitchers, uh, there, there are no games for a little bit, but the pitchers report back Um, sort of between the 12th and the 14th. And then the position players report back the 13th to the 15th. So,
0: And that that means we're close.
1: By the end of next week, we are right back into baseball season.
0: And we're going to know where uh, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are going to be. Where's your money on? Where do you think they're going to go? I think it's more likely that they could end up somewhere like LA.
1: Well, after saying all this... I uh, I sincerely hope they sign by the end of this week. Otherwise, I sound really stupid. <laughs> um, I I'm going to go Machado to the White Sox, right? Because I think they've done enough pushing to convince him that they're the place to go. Harper's tougher because we we don't know really who the who the leading team is? We we don't know who's making, who's making a really big push to get yeah. him. He can fit in in so many places. I mean, I, I, there are very few teams that uh, that wouldn't take him. Like obviously, he, he makes any team better. Um, <laughs> I even read something at the weekend that the Rays might be willing to take him on a one-year deal to reestablish his value, and it's like that's not happening in a million years. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Harper.
0: Back to the Nationals. Okay. You don't think he's going to go to the Padres? Uh,
1: no. I I think he I think he'll either go to the Phillies or he'll go back to the Nationals. And I think he'll probably go back to the Nationals out of those two. But you you never know. There could be so. For all we know, the Red Sox are sitting there waiting, 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 and they'll come in with a multi-billion-pound offer. Yeah. They'll then be beaten by the Yankees, and Harper'll go to the Yankees. <laughs>
0: Well, we will find out hopefully this time next week when spring training commences. Looking forward to it. Like This is going to be my first uh, full season watching baseball, so I'm really, really looking forward yeah. to it, to be honest. I'm, I'm excited about it. And, yeah, no, you, um, you,
1: need, you need a baseball team now?
0: Well, I do. I've got the D-backs. That's my team.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, my memory I'm, gl- I'm,
0: I'm glad you listen, Adam. I'm really. I like gl- a
1: gold fish, mate. Okay, right? <laughs> okay. All the stats and, we and to figures. You need a baseball team.
0: Yeah, it's for the second time now I've got one. <laughs> um... Yeah, maybe. Do you know what I should have took? I should have took that as a chance to sort of change my allegiance there and pretend you didn't know. Just went for a different team that looks like they're actually going to win something this year.
1: The, the Dodgers. The, <laughs> well, yeah,
0: the d Blacks I think will do okay, but you know, can't. I, the, in, a, in
1: a in a division that includes the Dodgers and the Rockies. Exactly.
0: It's gonna,
1: yeah. Uh, gonna be very tough for them to do something this year.
0: So there we go. All uh, all hope of my season my first uh, baseball season looking good it's just been killed off in one comment there so thank you very much for that Adam should we wrap up you're
1: welcome
0: <laughs> we should wrap up uh, yeah that does it for this week thank you again for listening um, if you want to follow us we're on twitter at uh, com, and it's going to be a strange one next week because it's going to be the first week where we don't start off with the NFL yeah, we're just That's going, to be, going to be crazy we're going to be talking about like just trades and stuff and not actual football games which kind of makes me a bit sad but at the same time
1: it, it, this is kind of the awkward part of the season where it's the, you're building up to the trade deadline in the NBA yeah. and the NHL. The MLB is just getting back in and the NFL just kind of shuts off for a month before everything kicks back in. So I,
0: I feel like between them, all of the leagues in America should probably work out how we can have it where there's always a playoff scenario happening. Do you know what I mean? so that like whenever NFL's not on then the basketball playoffs are on then whenever that's yeah. not on it's the NHL I would love that that would, that would be amazing if, if anybody's listening from any sort of sports organization over there make that happen because you know we're just kind of in this it would fu- also
1: be helpful not to have the NBA and NHL playoffs at the same time yeah
0: but... running beside each because that's going to be a crazy time of year as well oh yeah massively still crazy. look forward to it though anyway <laughs> uh, that is it from us today at the uh, Sports Hub on Twitter if you want to get in contact we will be back next week to talk more sports Adam again thank you very much enjoy the rest of your week A pleasure as always.
1: You too, bud.